Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle issue 4037, part 2. More choice pickings from the live Bugle recorded at London's Underbelly Festival on the 13th of July. I am Andy Zaltzman, and I'm about to go on holiday, so if you have any important questions, information, requests, gifts, or ransom notes, or other correspondence for me, please send them to me, care of France, with a covering note explaining how to find me. I'll probably be face down in a bucket of mules. And don't forget to use an unnecessarily large number of words, it is the only language they understand. Actually, they are considerably more multilingual than us Brits, but it is definitely one of their best languages, alongside, of course, the language of love. But before we get cracking into the live show, it would not be an audio newspaper without a section going straight in the bin. This week's section in the bin, a feature on massively large, massively dead skeletons. The Natural History Museum in London has controversially sacked Dippy the Diplodocus as its star celebrity dead creature. The dino skeleton fired from being the main exhibit in the museum's entrance hall and replaced with Hope, a much less dead blue whale skeleton. Uh, just Hope, that is. Uh, no other name. Uh, Brazilian footballer-style mononym for the 126-year-old uh, novice there. Dippy was sacked for being just too dead at 152 million years and seven months and also allegedly for being pretend after shocking tabloid revelations that he was in fact historically provable to be a fake dinosaur. A replica in fact of an American dinosaur. It's like Destiny's Child and Mystique all over again for the younger Bugle listeners amongst you. Dippy is not taking it lying down though. He's set to tour Britain early next year with a warts and all show about the, around the same time as I'll be touring Britain coincidentally, so we'll probably bump into each other at around 1.30am in a motorway service station to bitch about the industry at some point. Rumours are that Dippy was fired after trying to get it on with a replica Stegosaurus. These have been denied by the Natural History Museum, who say the decision was based purely on form. The museum boss, Mike Bones Dixon, explained he's just not been quite as natural or historical as this natural history franchise wants its star exhibits to be. But the signing of Hope has uh, not met with universal approval. The British Association for the Rights of Krill, Bark, is protesting the installation, saying the Natural History Museum is normalising the slaughter of millions of krills every day who are the victims of Hope's living relatives. But Dixon insists that hope will appeal more to today's kids. He said today's children with their iPads and shit like that are much more likely to relate to something that's only been dead for 126 years rather than the doddery old 152 million year dead dino codger. There are also hopes that Hope, who was a lady whale, not a dude whale, technical terms those, uh, will be a female role model for the modern age, despite being paid considerably less than Dippy was paid. Uh, but you have to ask... Is she a positive role model in terms of body image? Is she going to make other blue whales think that she is some kind of idealised norm to which they should be aspiring? And do we not also want active female role models? A blue whale out there getting stuff done, wailing it about, being independent, not just standing there pointlessly doing nothing of use, being stared at and photographed and judged on her body. Do we really need another Princess Marilyn Monroe of Troy? That section in the bin. Also in the bin, this plug for my forthcoming Edinburgh Festival shows. There are live bugles on the 16th and 27th of August. A political animal 
runs from the 15th to the 17th and the 22nd to the 24th. And above all, it's the return of Satirist for Hire, new and improved, hopefully, at the stand from the 15th to the 27th of August at 3pm. Do send in your satirical requests as soon as humanly possible to satirise this at satiristforhire.com. Advanced requests will receive writing precedence. And if nothing else, it will give me something else to read in the Satirist Fire inbox that is not telling me how much larger my scrumble blatch could be. All topics in this crazy world we live in will be satirised to order. Show may also feature the brain of Donald Trump and a large magic teapot. Anyway, that section is in the bin, but do please feel free to fish it out of the bin and take a closer audio look at it before deciding to buy tickets and send me a request for the show. Thanks. Right, let's get back to the live bugle from last week, and we'll pick up the action now with your host, Andy Zaltzman, and alongside him, Helen Zaltzman and Nish Kumar. You can have children, but to if you want to cut their carbon footprint down, you need to then uh, dump them in a UN airdrop into a Sudanese refugee camp, <laughs> because the uh, facts show that people in developing world in the developing world uh, give off a fraction of the CO2 emissions compared with people in uh, major industrialised nations. So, um, so that's what I'll be doing with my children next week. Um, <laughs> you can uh, change your transport habits. Do you know the most environmentally friendly form of transport? Anyone? Sorry? Swimming? Swimming? <laughs> no, 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 that's after the world floods. <laughs> Been uh, hanging out with Kevin Costner. Um, uh, it is. <laughs> yes, nice, that, was, that was a water world joke. What of it? Yep. What of well, it? That is, one of the, reference there, that is yeah. one of the most up-to-date cultural references in Bugle history. <laughs> that is from less than 30 years ago. Um, I'll do a Bananarama gag later if, you, if you're good. Um, Why don't you swim like Esther Williams? That's another up-to-date cultural <laughs> reference, Andy. Is, is it? Was, did, was she, did she win the she Olympics? Wartime swimming sweetheart. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Second World War. Right, OK. Not Crimean. Well... <laughs> don't go back to the Crimean War. He's going to talk about oh, Nightingale now. Oh. Oh, lordy. <laughs> um... Uh, the, the, actually, scientifically, the most environmentally friendly form of transport is the motorcycle pyramid. Um, <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> because, um, and you don't, you don't have to pay congestion charge if you're. Uh, it's even better than the donkey, um, which of course Jesus championed as an early green activist. Uh, <laughs> but the. Um, yeah, that's a fact. Uh, you can become more apathetic about politics because, do you know, burning effigies is uh, <laughs> responsible for 90% of the Antarctic falling to pieces. <laughs> that's a fact. Or at least only burn effigies of environmentally friendly politicians because they ironically give off less CO2 than the politician effigies of politicians in the pockets of the oil industry. Or start a gangland war in your local neighbourhood. This is excellent for the environment because your reign of terror on the streets will make local people wary of leaving their homes, cutting down significantly on unnecessary short car journeys. <laughs> the collapse in the local economy will also mean there are fewer businesses in the local area too, and people will be forced to live an eco-friendly, self-sufficient existence. So we, <laughs> we can build a better world, people. The Mafia were way ahead of the game. 
Testified. Um, it's going to be a, it is going to be a tricky sell though because the uh, study found it was done by Lund University in Sweden and it found that eating a plant-based diet, avoiding air travel, living car-free, and having smaller families is going to help. And that is going to be tricky because it basically boils down to no meat, no holidays, no cars, and less. <laughs> and I think when presented with those options, I suspect 90% of the world's population will react by saying, well, we had a good run. <laughs> you wanted to talk about oh. Donald Trump. You're a massive yeah. fan, aren't you? <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily put it that way, Andy. <laughs> but in the interest of bullshit, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, Donald Trump has an imaginary friend named Jim. <laughs> That is a glorious sentence to hear. I'm, I'm pretty happy for him because for a long time there have just been uh, constant articles going, Donald Trump has zero friends. He used to go to Studio 54 on his own and not drink anything and not do drugs and not have sex with anyone. He has no friends, but now he has Jim. And uh, he talks about Jim quite a lot. Usually he says... Every year Jim goes to Paris with his wife. Every summer they love Paris. Not anymore because it's full of insurgents. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you see, Jim is, Jim, it, it, they can't work out whether Jim is real. They have no surname for Jim, no visual. They only have Trump evidence for Jim. Uh, so I think we can assume Jim is just the avatar for fear. Right. <laughs> oh, has anyone asked that in a, in a press conference at the White House? Well, is Jim the avatar for fear? <laughs> Do you think he would understand those words? No, every, it would sound like he was calling in a nuclear strike. I think, uh, but, but Donald Trump is in Paris right now, and he'll be there for Bastille Day when foreign people are setting fire to explosive things. <laughs> so how's he going to take that? That's going to look like French people and fireworks, because it's Bastille Day. Right. Well, I hope he doesn't come here on November the 5th, otherwise all bets are off, frankly, aren't they? Yeah. Um, the, the, I think the telltale thing with Jim and the, the way that you know it's bullshit is in the conversation that he has. He says, he, I, said, I said to Jim, how's Paris doing? And you're like, no one would ever speak like that. Well, as if Paris was uh, human. Unless he's, right. yeah, so unless the whole conversation was actually about Paris Hilton and it, she is now absolutely occupied by ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> that is oh. a world exclusive from Donald Trump and his friend Jim. <laughs> I guess how's Paris doing could come from the very informal first draft of Homer's Iliad. There's, there's a little joke for any uh, Iliad. And that's, and that's, that is why I don't play the club circuit. <laughs> but who'd have thought your degree in classics would ever be useful? <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny of the then government's money. the subject of uh, global population, obviously immortality would be a bit of an issue for it, but um, <laughs> I mean, there's no getting around that unfortunate fact. Uh, but And so what the, probably the last thing the world needed right now is more people becoming immortal, but that is essentially what the Pope is trying to, is trying to create, more immortal saints. Yeah, well, saints tend to be... <laughs> there you go, that, that is the Pope in his cricket kit. Uh, <laughs> Taking guards. Just not asking for a middle and leg guard there for any cricket fans out there with his two, two fingers. Out there maybe saying, is that two balls the over left or? Anyway. But, uh, yeah. What? 
Why are you looking at me like that? I've seen that look so many times in the last 37 years. I was expecting a full five-day commentary to come out of your mouth. <laughs> That's the video extras. Um, so he's, uh, he's come up with a, a new way of becoming a saint. Yes, this could be good news for you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I'm on tenterhooks because uh, I'm failing on the other... This is the fourth way. I'm 0 for 3 at the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hitherto, uh, to get considered to be a saint, you had to have been a martyr. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a painful way to get sainthood. Uh, you had to live a life of heroic values or have a clear saintly reputation and also have done miracles. <laughs> now, this is, this is the new way. You must have freely and voluntarily offered your life in the face of certain and soon death. Uh, to save somebody else. Oh, right. Um, well, I think, uh, actually, um, we've done something... That Nish and I pretty much did that, the Andover Lights in that gig <laughs> we did together. <laughs> but I think he, ba he basically went up and took the enemy fire for me. Yeah, I took the enemy fire, but then it turned out the enemy had more bullets, and so they just <laughs> shot you as well. Uh, well, have either of you performed miracles? <laughs> well, if, if by miracle you, can, you define that as awful comedy, then <laughs> yes, Helen, yes, we did. You qualify. That's exciting. Andy? Uh, well, an actual miracle. No, I make a pretty good carbonara, but I don't know if that's... Um, <laughs> when it's recently reviewed by Jewish Food Monthly as so good it's kosher. Uh, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I don't know, does that, does that, does that count? Have you, have you ever done a miracle? Or are you all throwing it at us? Well, when are you going to become a saint? When are you How going to settle down and get a proper job and become a saint? <laughs> How big was that shit, Helen? <laughs> I was not sentient, but I'd imagine... Uh, I mean... Nor was anyone else by the end of it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I made you that doll of uh, Tony Benn. That was pretty miraculous. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then oh, yeah. he died. <laughs> well, that but, was, uh... Look, what you did with it was up to you. <laughs> didn't come with instructions. You didn't tell me it was that kind of doll. <laughs> I mean, he did die. It was quite a few years later. But anyway, you also made me one of Donald Rumsfeld, so maybe I'll give that one a go. <laughs> That's just the kind of family we have. She makes dolls of leading politicians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to play with an effigy of uh, an old man in a grey suit? <laughs> Kids. <laughs> That's why she's won Auntie of the Year six years in a row. <laughs> Um, is this Jewish voodoo? Is, th <laughs> is this Judoo? <laughs> <laughs> we usually just do that on oceans. Anyway, um, <laughs> fan fancy a trundle? Now, um, um, now there was a, another scientific report came out that said that coffee can basically make you live forever. Um, that's the way I interpreted it. Um, what the report actually said was coffee might or might not make you live slightly longer. But I'm prepared to take that on board and drink as much coffee as possible. Because I have a problem with sleeping patterns. And another, yet another scientific report has blamed our distant ancestors for people having <laughs> bad, bad sleeping patterns. This is going out as a recorded show as well, Helen. So you doing a visual gag for the people in the room is really absolutely no use. <laughs> to anyone apart from the people in this room. But um, people might just interpret it as general enjoyment of your words. Right. Stop uh, complaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, apparently, the reason some humans today have bad sleeping patterns, according to scientists, uh, is... <laughs> you know, don't not trust science. It is witchcraft in a lab coat. Um, 
The reason uh, is because some of our distant ancestors in the early days of human life, uh, they always had to keep someone awake through the night when they live in their early communities to keep an eye out for things like dinosaurs, um, <laughs> asteroids, uh, once bitten, twice shy. Um, uh, uh, well, ironically, one did solve the other. But anyway, um, uh, dinosaurs, asteroids, a Randy's use, that was always a big... <laughs> big, big thing you really had to keep an eye out. So he, he moved That's in. another one of your wrestling names, isn't it, Zos? <laughs> um, uh, a vengeful Thor. <laughs> um, and they be... just keep coming. Cave-to-cave <laughs> uh, -cave mammoth insurance salesman, that kind of shit. You had to keep awake. You had to, uh, you had to keep awake, and that is, that is why today... I, I suffer. My, my sleeping patterns were basically designed by Jackson Pollock. That is, um, and um, isn't it because they televise a lot of sport from uh, other time zones? And uh, if you don't watch it, who will? <laughs> that's. I uh, chalk that up to your saint application. <laughs> that could be. Uh, although it does. Uh, I'll, I'll share something from uh, the early life of my children. Uh, both my children were born in the, in the winter, and uh, during the winter there are such things as test matches in Australia and the Australian Open tennis. And for any uh, imminent parents, I can heartily recommend um, having those as an option for volunteering to look after the baby during the night. Don't worry. I will selflessly take charge of this crying baby for the next seven hours with a 40-minute break in two hours' time and a further 20-minute break two hours after that. So, um... <laughs> but, um... The, uh... Um, they also, this same study on sleeping patterns, um, came to the conclusion that John Bon Jovi's philosophical maxim, I'll live when I'm alive and sleep when I'm dead, well, that has now been studied. And um, the author of the report, Professor Freya Greenstein Finkelblatt Jr. from the Chicago Institute of Snoozing, found that, and I quote, Mr. Jovi's assumement of sleep will result in a largely unfulfilled, unexciting life in which he is too tired to indulge in the rock and roll hell-raising wherewith he apparently aspires. <laughs> Moreover, the renowned singer of the hit song but poor dietary advice, Living on a Prayer, <laughs> will, will, will find himself disappointed by the absolute and unremitting nothingness of death. Sleep by its nature being an active restorative process, not with mentioning the possibility of dream, a gift or curse bestowed not upon the corpse. Hence, we do not sleep in refrigerators. Mr. Jovi would therefore be med medico-psychologically advised to both live and sleep whilst he is alive and listen to some of his later works whilst he's dead. His, <laughs> his early work, concludes the report, stands up pretty well. So, <laughs> 55 minutes, Andy. Oh, 55. <laughs> right, okay. I'm here for the fun tonight. Right. That's it. Every so often, Chris is like, I cannot believe I'm still doing this <laughs> shit. Little, little Chrissy clock in the corners pipes up. So, um, right, we should, uh, we, should, uh, we, should, we should move on. We had quite a lot to get through, but uh, we're running, running out of time. Hello, you have some, do you want to bang on about umbrellas for a bit? Or? I, I don't know. I don't know how pressing it is. What have you got? Uh, what have I, well, I've got something on... Uh, I can on... see the words bobsled origin on your screen. How do you need us I to know, tee that up? I, <laughs> I don't know how to break the news that I'm uh, moving into prog rock. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so it's almost a name worthy of having a third child for Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was the? Uh, oh no, the, 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 that's the origin of Bobson. Because uh, you took. Well, let's let's do this about the uh, right. this Chinese umbrella sharing company. Now, in a, uh, last week's bugle uh, talked about a Chinese bike sharing custom uh, company that had lost ninety percent of its bikes. <laughs> now. There's, this That's week, not good sharing, is it? It's not. <laughs> arguably, it's, it, it might be too good. I don't know. Uh, um, a Chinese umbrella sharing company has now gone brolly up after similarly. Oh. Um, sim <laughs> similarly. Don't don't worry. There's more to come. Um, so so they just explain the story. Anyway. Right. So this is um, a Chinese startup called Sharing E Umbrella. And it opened in April with 300,000 umbrellas left around the town, like 11 cities in China. And uh, it costs about £2.20 to hire an umbrella, and then you pay six pence per 30 minutes. Each umbrella costs £6.85. So what they found is uh, people are not bringing the umbrellas back um, because it's getting an umbrella at a heavy discount. Uh, so they have lost nearly all 3,000 umbrellas. <laughs> So maybe they just should have gone for an honours system rather than just even pretending it was a higher scheme. Uh, but apparently, undeterred, there are three more Chinese umbrella-sharing startups entering the space. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the wonders of human ingenuity. And uh, the, the founder plans to put 30 million more umbrellas in circulation by the end of the year. He is undeterred. <laughs> he says, anything that you can have on the streets, you can share. Uh, but I'd, which works for bikes and cars, big things that you might not want to own and are difficult to store. Bins. Sharing a bit, <laughs> fine. You don't like sharing bins, historically. That's a deep bugle cup. But, uh, um, umbrellas, not such a difficult thing to possess permanently. Right. Good luck to you. But, him. I mean, people try to share everything in this sharing economy. Well, it's a communist country. These days. Uh, <laughs> That, that arguably is taking communism one step too far. I think even Karl Marx would be like, come on, lads. <laughs> they have a basketball sharing scheme now. Do they really? Yeah. What? How does that work? Otherwise, it's just playing NBA, on your own. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> so, um, Bob's, Bobsled origin. Yeah, it's the origin of Bobsled, was a, was a sharing, uh, sh sharing economy thing. Oh, God. Where are we going? Jesus no, no, Christ. No. Get out get now. No, it's not it. Don't it, jump in the back of this. It's coming later. It's like that sinking feeling when you've realised you've left your house without your keys. Like, that's the... <laughs> well, cause, well, no, because the bobsled as a sport, it's just a man that jumps in a sled and then three people get in behind him and do nothing. That's clearly they just catched... It began as people catching a lift in a bobsled. That's a fact. Um... <laughs> Did anyone have any pressing, pressing questions? We'll do a, like, a quick, maybe take two questions. Oh. Chris, Chris is going to go out in the... Uh... One hand went straight up. Can you guys please pass this along? <laughs> Chris, don't trust these people. <laughs> I'm actually quite impressed that they managed, four people managed to pass that microphone along without one of them shouting, <laughs> you, Chris, into it. <laughs> you, Chris. Oh, <laughs> straight in. Any idea what happened on Love Island tonight? Uh, <laughs> lo lo Love Island? What, you yeah. mean Britain? In, in this new age of post-Brexit utopia where we all learn to live together. On, on Love Island, a stat I didn't get to earlier on is that 113 people in this room have had sex in a car. <laughs> <laughs> a 
at the same time what? in the same uh, sure. car? It must, like surely it must, car. Have been a, must have been a coach, surely, <laughs> at least. I didn't actually. I, I didn't. I haven't seen Love Island, but I can tell you what happened tonight. Uh, some twats had sex. <laughs> really demystified that. <laughs> uh, any uh, any other any other questions? Oh, the, uh, uh, there's a man. This, there's a man who I believe this person is really enthusiastic. Yeah, I believe this man is currently wearing a, an Andy Zaltzman T-shirt <laughs> that he concerningly appears to have fashioned himself. So. <laughs> Exciting times for us in the Bugle. Uh, we could be about to witness Andy's Mark Chapman moment. Uh... <laughs> uh, do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson has any decent chance of the winning the 2020 US presidency? Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? You know, Kid what? Rock is running for Senate in Michigan now, so it's a big week for rock-named celebrities <laughs> going into politics. Excellent. He's got hats and everything, so it's official. <laughs> right. Kid, kid, kid Rock running for Senate, what? right? In Michigan. Cool. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you're our, uh, the Bugles wrestling correspondent, Helen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, great. So perhaps you'd have a great, greater insight on uh, on this than I do. I think. Uh, I mean, I think this is probably the future for. I mean, to be honest, now American politics has become more infantile, less believable. <laughs> Uh, than American wrestling, so yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, we'll do. Let's let's put this to the public vote. As I said, Americans shouldn't be allowed to vote in American elections. So we'll do this on behalf of the rest of the world. Uh, who here would like to keep Donald Trump as president? Hands up. There's just one hand going up there <laughs> at the front. And is that just for entertainment purposes? Yes. Oh, just just for pure entertainment. Uh, who here? would rather see uh, Trump replaced with... Um, oh, God, I'm going to need a... Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Let's go for another oh, Another one. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. OK, let's go. Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh, of course, wow. very big opponent of global warming. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that'll be a big, big step forward. I, I am forgiving you every single pun in that pun run for that one Stone Cold Steve Austin global warming ad lib. That is absolutely phenomenal work. <laughs> Extraordinary. Um, uh, one, one, uh, one final. So yeah, re wrestling is the is the political future for America. We'll have one one final question, Chris. The man in the Zaltzman T-shirt. Oh no, where Chris is he? Where is Zaltzman? He's right there. Okay. He's right there in the middle. God, he has actually got my. He face has, on the yeah. Show. Please pass along. Also, that is not that is not regulation merch. He has made no, that himself. That is, he has, he has stolen that from my children. <laughs> um, that was and, an addition of two. Andy, well, I was just wondering, um, which of your current co-hosts do you think will be next to voice a Smurf? Oh, oh, it's gotta gonna, be it's gonna Anna happen, pal. Surely it's time for an Indian Smurf. <laughs> The, uh, well, I don't know what would the Indian Smurf. Um... I'm not going to do the accent, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to. I mean, wonder more what what qualities it would bring. What's? Uh... I saw the look in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I anticipated the next request, and I headed it off at the pass. I don't know uh, who. What, what do you think? I think you'd be. I think you'd be quite. Me? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I think you'd be quite like. I think yeah. you'd be Pedantic quite sort of like. Smurf. Or, 
That's what the franchise needs. <laughs> can imagine that in Happy Meals. <laughs> Pedantic <laughs> verbose Smurf. Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with the plots of the Smurf films, so I don't know what happens and what would be required of the role. Neither am I. I m most most of my was Smurf... John Oliver, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> he just read the words on the page. Most of my Smurf knowledge does, has come from over the years listening to Andy berate John for his participation <laughs> in it. So I'm not fully up. I mean, I assume one of the Smurfs does a 25-minute long monologue about the oil industry halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> halfway through the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is incredibly funny and well-researched, but it's very atonal with the rest of the film. <laughs> Smurfs did really kill John's career, didn't they? <laughs> See, he only got one Emmy nomination this week. <laughs> bit of sport now and um, as we record which is let me it's just check my watch quick. Uh, today um, a, uh, a British woman has played in the semi-final of Wimbledon for the first time since Virginia Wade in 1978 Wade of course lost that year losing the title she'd won in hang on let me just get my calculator out 1978 minus one <laughs> so 1877 do you take one off both bits of the <laughs> I don't know anyway you carry it. Anyway, I think you carry it. Carry it over. There's I, a remainder. Right, I, I get confused by maths. Anyway, Wade lost in 1978, sparking a national despond, which triggered the victory of Margaret Thatcher <laughs> in the 1979 <laughs> general election. A hammer blow to British womanhood that clearly stopped any British woman re re reaching a women's semi-final until this year. Uh, but finally, some 26 and three-quarter years after uh, Thatcher was ousted from office... Um, oh, on, on the day you got another sports injury, you broke your collarbone... Uh, yeah. Playing rugby at school, I or did. as our father told everyone, falling over a stile on the way to play rugby. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, no. Let me put this in proper sporting context. I broke my collarbone in a game of four-a-side rugby, in a practice for the school ninth fifteen match, <laughs> to which only eight people turned up. That is the level of elite athlete you are looking at. Yeah, but you're quite accustomed to performing in front of an audience the same size as the number of people on stage. So <laughs> oh, prepping you for that. This is good stuff. <laughs> now, Vinicius' final thought. Guys, sometimes with siblings, <laughs> conflict is inevitable. Anyway, the point is, Joanna Conta losing basically means uh, at least 18 more years of Tory rule. Um, and, uh, but we will report back definitively on that in the year 2056. So, um, but Wimbledon, of course, uh, have you got any tennis fans in? Uh, been a big, big problem with Wimbledon this year. All the injuries. Andy Murray went out yesterday with an injured hip. Novak Djokovic uh, injured, uh, injured, uh, injured his arm. A spate of withdrawals in the first week. Uh, Australia's Nick Kyrgios, even so injured that he pulled out before he'd given himself time to throw a proper full tennis. <laughs> how injured he was. Uh, a few other injuries you might not have heard of. Treple Pletch of Canada pulled out of his second oh, round match geez. against uh, Groovehard Mendip Hills of Australia. Um, <laughs> After serving a ball into his own th in, into his own mouth, uh, Hawkeye showed the ball. Should we just all leave while you, you can. carry yeah, on? You can. This is basically now an exit track. Um, Hawkeye showed oh, the ball. Oh, no, it'd be interesting because my parents are here and they were actually at Wimbledon today, so they'll be able to verify they whether any of this, this. information yeah. is. Well, this is, is that you'll be able to verify that, right? No, I Dad? said Nish, pay attention to the detail of the bullshit. This is a second round match. <laughs> this this lie, this lie happened last Wednesday or Thursday. I, don't know. I do apologise, Andrew. Thank you. It's not fresh. Anyway, Hawkeye uh, 
showed the ball clipped his tonsils on the way into embedding itself in his esophagus, so he was ruled out. Jerky Slinkoff of Belarus had to retire <laughs> deep into an exhausting fifth set on a hot day against the Argentinian baseliner Juan Mango Flork. That after, uh, <laughs> after hallucinating that he was the king of Spain in the heat and trying to climb into the royal box where he copped an umbrella in the plums from a panicking Duchess of Kent. Um, Romania's uh, Tomas to the rescue um, retired... There's one for any tank engine fans out there. Retired when 6-2, lap up against Father Jillick McNook of the Vatican City um, <laughs> after uh, McNook held up his crucifix and served a large head of garlic at, uh, at to the rescue, who, um, who transpired to be an undiagnosed vampire and uh, fled the court in panic. Father McNook at the press conference afterwards said, you never know with Eastern European players. <laughs> I saw the same thing happen when Pat Cash beat Ivan Lendl in the 1987 final. He goes on to meet Poland's Wojciechowski in the... Uh, in the uh, in the in the third round, do you know when Pat Cash climbed up to the to to his uh, you know famously climbed up? You might have seen it on the TV this week. They showed 30 years since he climbed up to the box after winning. Uh, it wasn't actually to thank his coach and family; it was to get a mallet and some stakes to finish the <laughs> off. That's fact. Uh, McNook, incidentally, the first Vatican player in the main draw at Wimbledon since Pope Pius XI uh, lost in the first round of the ladies' singles in 1925. <laughs> to eventual champion Suzanne Longlon. Uh, controversial on many levels, of course, but did eventually lead to the change in Wimbledon rules, which did at the time state that if you turn up in a dress, you have to play in the ladies' competition. And um, uh, Injuries not as bad on the, on, the, on the ladies' side of the draw this year, though. There were some withdrawals. Uh, Blanche Bingley-Hilliard, she withdrew on the morning of her scheduled first rounder against Peculiarity Mendez Clink of the USA. Um, Bingley-Hilliard sadly died in 1946. <laughs> but was invited as a wildcard to mark the 120th anniversary of her fourth women's singles title in 1887. Uh, so, uh, so going go. back to which of us deserves to live. All right. <laughs> oh, she's come out with a callback. <laughs> she's bringing the good stuff. Right. Uh, you, you, well, uh, you can catch all the highlights on today at Wimbledon. With uh, it's, it's all there in Claire Balding's eyes. Um, <laughs> And at, in tribute to Pat Cash, all three of us are going to celebrate tonight's bugle by climbing through the audience. <laughs> <And> <laughs> give our parents a cuddle. We're not going to do that. There was genuine panic in the front three rows there. We are not. That was a genuine panic in our parents' eyes as well. <laughs> so, um, we are British. Let's keep things uh, up. Yes, all of that checks out. Right, I'm off on holiday now, so there will not be full bugles for the next couple of weeks, but there will, however, be some absolute rock-solid gold from the recent and more distant archives to keep you entertained. Then we will be back fully on the Bugle Bouncy Castle in August, assuming there is still some news in the world knocking around that needs to be bugled. For now, though, that's it. I'm out of here. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. 
God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.